And I think there's quite a number of things going on. And I think where it starts is just lack of time uh, from, from, you know, most of the kind of typical medical system. If someone comes in with joint pain and you really have to get on to your next patient in like five or seven minutes, you're going to tell them just to take ibuprofen and refer them to physical therapy. You can't get anywhere else. You can't get any deeper. And tons of my patients have come in where they've had, say, chronic low back pain, hip pain. It, it can really be anywhere. And they've seen a number of practitioners and haven't even had a physical exam. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 233 of the Anthropology Podcast. I am Megan Walker, and I am joined today by Dr. Angela Cortal. And Dr. Cortal is a naturopathic doctor from the West Coast, and she has a focus in her practice around joint pain and chronic pain mitigation. And before you're like, I don't have that, I want you to listen up. Because this episode really, if I'm like, what's at the crux of it? Why was I like, I want to explore this topic? It's because of a commercial I saw. And the commercial I saw was literally two individuals in their 40s in the locker room at a gym with the warning at the bottom that this was a pre-pandemic recorded commercial. And one of them threw the other person a bottle of Advil and was like, tired of feeling pain after working out, just take Advil. That's how I work out in my 40s or whatever the tagline was. And I was, I was totally appalled. My, my husband like does not understand why I get so triggered by this messaging, but it's because I feel like that voice is so powerful and this voice doesn't get a platform. And by this voice, I mean the message of Dr. Cortell, which is there are things that we can do to one, improve our capacity to heal post-injury, but secondly, to mitigate the chronic pain that honestly, I literally felt like I woke up when I was 40. I'm like, why does my back hurt? We just are going to develop pain as we get older. And there are choices that we can make every single day now, regardless of your age, to mitigate that as you start to move through life. We're going to talk about foods that you can eat and exercises that you can do, but we're also going to take a different stance we're going to talk about the relationship between your hormones and your increased propensity for injury and your increased capacity to feel pain. It is a fascinating episode relevant to everybody, and I can't wait to jump in. Dr. Angela Cartel, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, this is going to be a really interesting conversation because we're talking about something that I actually think is just chronic and endemic in our society in general, which is chronic pain and joint pain. In particular, people have been sitting in front of the computer for a long period of time, but we're also going to take a different take on this. We're going to talk about the connection between 
hormones and joint pain and how to deal with it now and into the future. And I'm wondering before we jump into all these juicy topics, if you can give my listeners a little bit of a background in terms of who you are and why this is something you're so particularly passionate about with respect to your career. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, So I'm a naturopathic doctor. I practice in Oregon. And I've been practicing about nine years. And prior to that, uh, when I was a very young adult, kind of my whole story of getting me to now to today is that I had a skiing accident and a surgery. And while um, they they fixed everything that they needed to fix, I was left with about a, a decade of a lot of uh, knee pain seemingly went up into my back and and that didn't make any sense to me because I thought, well, that my knee is where the surgery is. Why am I having such extreme back pain? Um, but kind of everything got thrown off and I went through the whole kind of typical routes of uh, the physical therapy and pills and more pills and all the pills and was just kind of left with, well, it should be better and there's nothing more we can do for you. And so um, my problems just kind of lingered on for, yeah, for about a decade and went through medical school. Then early on in my clinical practice, I thought, you know, I really need to get a a handle on this. (laughs) It's been going on for a while. We got to turn this around at some point. And just sort of started hitting hitting the the books, hitting the PubMed, uh, using my uh, clinical practice and knowledge there, kind of putting it all together. Like what hasn't been looked at? I've done I've done the typical stuff. So what else is out there? And just really slowly over the course of a couple of years, put together uh, what I found to be a lot of disparate. Um, we can call modifiable risk factors for chronic joint pain, for for joint degeneration, and just things that maybe some researchers over here know a little bit about um, this and researchers over there know a little bit about that, but no one's really talking about this and putting it all together. Uh, so, so that's what I did for myself <laughs> and then turned around and have been using it very successfully in my patients is really looking at... Um, where where do we go when that typical route just isn't uh, working, isn't solving someone's joint pain? And so I do a lot of work looking at uh, nutrition, inflammation, hormones, as you mentioned, and kind of just assessing like what hasn't been investigated for these patients and what for each particular person was uh, was most important for them. And yeah, I love uh, working in the hormone realm because I see it uh, so common for patients both to have chronic, whether it's a single joint pain, but much more likely it's like aches and pains and migrating joint pains everywhere. And also over the years, an increasing number of hormone complaints, um, whether that's uh, fatigue and uh, muscle weakness, uh, maybe it's menstrual uh, issues, menstrual symptoms, or hot flashes, insomnia, mood changes, and just kind of putting the whole picture together for, for each patient so that I can do for them what I did for myself, which is to figure out what exactly behind the scenes is going on and what can we do to actually change the trajectory and uh, get those joints healing. All right. So we've got a lot to unpack here. Here's my first question. And, you know, listen, like I'm trained as a naturopathic doctor as well. And I kind of half know the answer, but sort of rhetorical, but we just need to go there. And that is, 
like, how are we still at a place with the evolution of medicine, the way we have seen it, where people are experiencing pain? And not only can we not find the origin, but that our only answer to it is, well, you know, like it just might go away or it might just be in your head or are you depressed? Like literally if we can't find the cause and I feel like we only have so many tools, we just kind of throw people back out there. Like what is informing that? It's a good question. And I think there's quite a number of things going on. And I think where it starts is just lack of time uh, from, from, you know, most of the kind of typical medical system. If someone comes in with joint pain and you really have to get onto your next patient in like five or seven minutes, you're going to tell them just to take ibuprofen and refer them to physical therapy. You can't get anywhere else. You can't get any deeper. And tons of my patients have come in where they've had, say, chronic low back pain, hip pain. It, it can really be anywhere. And they've seen a number of practitioners and haven't even had a physical exam. Physical exams take time, which, you know, I would say is a very good use of that appointment time. Um, but also the the practitioners have to be really well acquainted with uh, what are they actually going to examine for each patient? Like, will that give them good information if they're not all that um, uh, used to doing physical exams, all that great with their hands, maybe, then uh, then they're just going to skip it and just go go to the pills and referrals. Right. And, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, but I really feel like there's this divide in the healthcare system. And it is, we have a model to manage disease and we have a model to build health. And pain is this weird thing where once we've managed like the acuteness of the problem, it's kind of, there's this no man's land in between. Like we can't start building strength and building health until we've like managed that intermediary recovery. And it's almost like we don't have the right people or the right philosophy or the right model to manage that, that middle ground. Like in the, in the patients that you've worked with, how many of them have been appropriately um, managed through their recovery, like appropriately prescribed the right uh, treatment or therapist or, you know, protocol to take them from acute injury to functional? I mean, I would say are the, the, traditional Western medical system is set up to not to do that at all. And any of my patients who are going through that route, it's because they've taken upon themselves to put together um, their own team of people. Maybe they just are going out on their own, striking out and finding a nutritionist, finding a um, uh, some sort of athletic trainer, someone to help them get back into exercise because the doctor may say it's important to exercise, but they're like, I can't right now. I'm in too much pain. Um, so they're really having to to go out there. And um, and I mean, that's what I had to do too also uh, is take it upon yourself to go out and find the people that are doing something different. Uh, because if the the regular approach isn't, isn't working, then you just kind of get stuck at the end of the road. And um, a very common scenario wasn't necessarily something that, uh, that that I went through, but many, many of my patients is that they are also, you know, quote unquote, good patients, compliant patients. They're, you know, taking the, the anti-inflammatory pills. They're doing the physical therapy and still have a lot of uh, pain and and aren't really getting any further workup 
except for the surgeon to say, well, nothing's bad enough right now. So come back in five or 10 years. So they're given literally nothing, (laughs) just told to wait five or 10 years. And then we'll see if you're bad enough for surgery, where this is, this is kind of the the golden opportunity for uh, when a lot of patients find me, it's like, this is the time we can turn the ship around. We got, we got to do some investigation. We got to do some, some hands on. (laughs) We got to really crank that wheel to turn around, but it's, it's totally possible. Okay, so let's what what do we do for those patients? They've come out of that acute phase, notwithstanding the fact that maybe they're prescribed physio or other pieces. And I, you know, I think that's important, but I also really think that working with a naturopathic doctor and managing inflammatory processes is a game changer. Like what do people need to be aware of in that intermediary? What do you want everyone to be doing in terms of supporting that the environment in which the injury is healing? Well, I'd, I'd have to say it'd be a, a kind of a, a short, a short list of things to be aware of. Uh, one is that not every two cases of knee pain or hip pain are the same. So if someone ha- really hasn't had a good uh, evaluation, a good physical exam, for one person, their pain might be coming from the joint, the cartilage itself. For someone else, it could be ligament, tendon, or even muscle trigger points in the area, um, nerves. Uh, so my treatment, my recommendations is going to be different depending on where someone's pain is coming from. So so a really good evaluation is where we begin. And then, uh, yeah, activity is important, um, whether that's the the home exercises being, being recommended by the physio, um, just being active. And then from there, I look at nutritional status, uh, inflammatory, like, am I doing labs? Have they had labs run recently? Um, and then, and then from there looking, looking at a hormonal evaluation, I will use, um, certain supplements, nutraceuticals with patients to either help reduce the inflammation, support, uh, joint anti-inflammatory processes, help support connective tissue healing. But I, but I tell patients that's kind of the, the, the icing, um, the, 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 the icing and the cherry on the top. That's not where we got to start. We got to start with the full evaluation and then we can layer those things on later. And then um, finally, in, in my practice, I do regenerative injection therapies. So sometimes when we've gotten everything else uh, cleaned up, so to speak, then uh, they might be even better suited for getting that type of injection therapy that's helping support healing in certain key areas. Again, that's all kind of predicated on having a good diagnosis and knowing exactly what we're working with. What is the connection between the hormonal piece and the recovery and then the chronicity to the pain? Because I think the hormones, people are like, I've got hormone issues. I got joint issues. I've got my people for each. Like they really think about the two uh, together. What's the relationship there? It all comes down to a regeneration of the cells in, in the joint complex. So of the cartilage ligaments tendons and very specifically we're talking about collagen fibers so tendons and ligaments if if you looked at kind of what 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 are they made of exactly um they're they're made of more collagen fibers than anything else and same can be said for cartilage cells as well just a slightly different type of collagen so if we get really specific we're talking about type 1 and 3 collagen in the ligaments and tendons and type 2 in the cartilage itself and the hormones support those 
those regenerative processes. So if someone is deficient, let's say in estrogen or testosterone, uh, then then those processes, those recovery and regenerative processes are going to go more slowly because they're waiting. They're, they're waiting to have the adequate uh, signals and responses. And so someone just will have more of an incomplete healing picture, which can definitely look like kind of chronic pain, some low-level, low-grade inflammation in the area, maybe some some instability and weakness of, of that joint. What about propensity and risk for injury in individuals with hormonal challenges? Do you see hormonal patterns that predispose people to injuries? Uh, yes, and it, it really can be any of the top three, what we'd call sex hormones, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, predominantly the estrogen and testosterone. And, uh, and that goes back to what I was just saying with the collagen fibers. So there'll be more uh, weakness. Those, the, the joints will lack integrity is how I would describe it. Um, they, they don't have the capacity to respond to forces, whether that's someone going out and playing intramural sports or a car accident, or I live in a rural area and people seem to fall off horses at a very high rate, (laughs) whatever it is, uh, whatever force has been kind of hit into that joint. If someone has had a hormonal deficiency, then that joint won't be able to kind of stay sturdy and strong. It'll, it'll be much more likely to have say kind of small, small little tears in it, um, cause a, a weakness and instability of those joints. And then when it comes to progesterone, progesterone, is much more strongly tied to our kind of our nervous system as it connects to joints, um, perception of pain and localized inflammation. So, so low progesterone is much more associated with no matter what is actually pathologically going on, someone feels more pain in a, in a low progesterone state. Yeah, that that part is so fascinating. And, you know, when we look at people who have chronic pain or are just like, I feel everything in my body being able to, to empower them to know that they should be asking questions about their hormones, I think is so, uh, is so important. And, and similar to that landscape of, of hormones, there's such a strong connection between our diet and the perpetuation of, of pain. And I feel like, you know, we've got some things for people in the know, I I feel like everyone just wants to drop Oh, nightshades, like nightshades are, are bad for inflammation and we can unpack that. And then I feel for another huge percentage of our population, we've got individuals who are like, I've been drinking milk for 60 years to protect my bones and joints. And I'm wondering if we can kind of uh, lean into some of the things we we really should be paying attention to and call out uh, some of the long-term dietary ideals um, that are maybe problematic in the realm of joints and common and and pain and chronic pain. Do you want to speak to some of those pieces, the things that you really just want to set the record straight on? Yeah, yeah. So I think about um, on on this topic, there's things can just be too much and too overwhelming for some people's systems and others that are fairly common deficiencies. And when it comes to deficiencies, the most common one I see is low protein intake and uh, quite especially in women. Um, maybe it's just lower appetites or we're told not to eat very much. I don't know why, uh, but, but much more common for women to have lower protein intake. There's established guidelines out there that are weight based about how many grams per per kilogram of day. Um, it's, it's, you know, 0.6 to 1.2, 
uh, grams per kilogram of body weight. So you have to do some back of the napkin math to figure out what's right for each person. Um, but there's some fairly solid research showing that if women have far under that 0.6, they have lingering lasting injuries. They don't heal. They don't recuperate from surgery. Uh, they have much uh, higher increased rates of arthritis and um, joint replacements. So we know that if you're going your whole life cruising along, not eating enough uh, protein, then you can definitely set yourself up for those uh, for quite a lot of different kinds of joint complications. And, uh, and the reason for that is it goes back again, <laughs> kind of sound like a broken record to collagen. So, uh, so collagen is a specific, um, complex of three amino acids and we get our amino acids from our protein. Uh, so not enough protein, not enough collagen, and then compound, compound that with the fact that, um, pretty typically in, I mean, even, even a, a clean whole foods, uh, diet here in, in the U.S., it's pretty common too. If we're getting down specific to what what kind where where our meat comes from, it's muscle meat, and people aren't as inclined in this country, at least, to eat things like pork knuckles and chicken feet and things like that that are very high in collagen. Um, so our body does have to do a little work in the background to take amino acids from uh, from other kinds of protein and and put it uh, put it together to make collagen for us. And that's why you can see in any health food store anywhere collagen powder very very common all over the place and uh, very often has claims that are um, you know something along the lines of joint health but should we be eating it i i think it's an important uh nutrient to get in. I do think it's the most effective. I think of it as like the super protein. <laughs> I guess we can talk about like superfoods. Generally, people are often talking about antioxidants. And this is like the most specific protein that someone can be consuming uh, specific to building up their joints. And whether that's a, a bone broth or oxtail soup or, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out, well, does this, does this meal, does this food have much gelatin in it. Uh, a good key is if it's meat containing such as oxtail soup. I don't know how many people out there are familiar with that, but any kind of soup where it gels up in your fridge and it's like a solid jello block, that's, that's a lot of collagen in there. Um, and, but if someone's just not eating those kinds of foods and not, not consuming any bone broth regularly, then a good clean source of, of collagen hydroxylate powder is, uh, is perfectly reasonable. And, and for some people, just a lot, lot easier to get in uh, daily. Yeah. You know, listen, I throw collagen into my, into my coffee. I love having uh, bone broth a few times a week. Like once you get in the habit of it, it becomes really, uh, it becomes really easy. Do you have certain foods you're like, here my, like ladies, like just, eat these top five foods? Um, I, I would say just about like any, just getting enough of, you know, meat, eggs, um, some, something like that with the protein in and um, really any kind of meat-based food can have collagen in it. So for some people, they're maybe not big red meat eaters, uh, but fish. And and we know fish has other positive properties like omega-3 fatty acids. Um, so that can be another one as well. Uh, bone broth is great. Um, and then and then collagen collagen powder also uh, can, can kind of round, round things out on those days that you're not having um, your 
pork knuckle soup. <laughs> what about our like our plant-based friends who are not eating animal products? Do you see increased propensity around uh, pain or changes in recovery time? I would say it's it's a potential. And especially if someone isn't really aware of this, um, it's it's possible. And of course, it does happen that uh, in someone who isn't, uh, who's totally plant based, they will still be making collagen. I think just like um, other kind of dietary considerations, it's good to have a little extra attention around this. Um, so there's certain, I've seen certain supplements out there uh, where they have some of those cofactors that can help in the creation of the, the amino acids for collagen. And, um, and, and what I would say is that it's that being plant-based is potentially just a risk factor for having those, um, components of collagen in a lower concentration in someone's body. So it's better to pay attention. Uh, like you said, especially if you already do have some, uh, chronic pain or maybe have a lot of joint disease in your family, you know, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, everyone's got joint problems and half of them have joint replacements. It's pretty smart then to, to pay a lot of attention to this. And I feel like we could just go on and on about food. I won't put you on the spot about milk. I'll share my own bias against milk when it comes to chronic pain. But, you know, one of the other arenas where I feel like um, there's real room for us to take preventative action is with respect to the type of exercise uh, that we choose, especially sort of in that like 35 and older category. Do you have some specific categories of exercise that you really encourage people to uh, to take on both in terms of recovery, but also from a preventative perspective? Sure. And I think about it sort of like a, uh, a spectrum. So first, it's, or maybe an algorithm. First, are they moving? Yes or no? <laughs> if they're moving, we got to get you moving. If you're not moving, got to get you moving in uh, whatever way you like first. Um, and then it's about uh, adjusting, modifying specific to what that person needs, uh, both types of exercise that can be supportive to their joints, and then keeping an eye out for any types of exercise that can be um, just too much, too much force to too much challenge for that particular person and what they're going through, especially as I'm working with patients like in these early healing processes, their bodies may just be more sensitive um, to, to stresses and challenges. So I, um, with an eye towards engaging patients in types of exercise that they like, that they enjoy, that they have fun doing, I uh, encourage them to build in aspects of their exercise that have strengthening resistance that's going to build up muscle fibers, muscle development. Uh, that does a couple of things. It helps with getting some of that load off of just jamming straight through the joints. When you have better muscle development around those joints, your body's able to kind of handle those forces and loads a little bit more appropriately and not put undue uh, stress and pressure on the joints. And then um, some, some patients were having to kind of modify cut back if they're big into jogging and running. And I'm doing predominantly like knee, hip, low back, uh, work with patients who have chronic pain there, um, then we then we need to be really careful about maybe it's okay for them to say jog a mile or two or three, but at a certain point we're gonna we have to put um 
sort of a, a cutoff for right now, at least, so that they're not doing too much um, strain and pressure and just kind of really uh, – too much pain and challenge while while we're going through this joint regenerative process. Amazing, Dr. Angela. You have so much incredible knowledge. I feel like we could do this all day long, but I am going to make a transition in the interview to a section that I call our KPIs or key performance indicators. So just like we have them in our businesses, I believe that we have them in how we live our own lives as well. So I've got a few questions for you. The First one, what is your most recommended book or idea or thing you've been contemplating throughout 2021? I, uh, I, I don't actually know that it's 2021 specific, but it is a fairly new book. And it goes back to what we were talking about with hormones. I recommend the book Estrogen Matters to probably at least half of my patients by now, it seems, uh, where it's a really great book looking over uh, the last decades of research to kind of figure out why are some people so anti-hormones and why are some people so pro-hormones. That's super interesting. I'm going to check it out. What is your favorite health hack? Um, it's probably got to be something kind of boring, like getting enough sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much about getting enough sleep. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's not boring at all. Like I feel like God drives me crazy. I'm like, people, you're so, you got to recover. You've got to recover. How would you define your purpose? My purpose is to get people see, to see that there is, is another way to be, um, to, to kind of reach out there in the world and help those that are feeling stuck, like how I felt stuck and to see we actually can take the reins of our health and change to a new trajectory. And we don't kind of have to take on and identify with what other people tell us is, well, that's just the way it's always going to be. And last question for you, entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? I think a lot of people would, I, I think for a lot of people, it, they are born that way. I think I'm a late in life convert though. <laughs> there is, there's no, like you just, you do it when you are called to do it and um, you're doing amazing work in the world. Where can we send people to learn more about the work that you're doing um, in terms of getting people unstuck related to pain and their injuries? Sure. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Angela Cortal. And you can find my website with kind of everything I'm up to. Um, I do a lot of education and classes and my clinical work and everything is at drcortal.com. Amazing. Dr. Angela Cortal, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. I thought this episode was so interesting and so important. And I really, honestly, I said this at the beginning, I didn't actually appreciate until I got into my 40s how, how pain just kind of insidiously shows up in our body. And this is something that we all have to take radical responsibility for. Sure, you might choose to pull the Advil card, but I suspect if you made it this far into the episode, you're actually interested in different choices. You know, there are things that I do every single day to manage my own I'm going to call it the pain of, of aging, or maybe it's the pain of living well, or maybe it's just what happens. But 
I, I've made choices in my life to do certain things to minimize that. And I thought I'd actually share those because what I really want is for you to share what you are doing, what your strategies are, which of the things on this list or some of the ideas that Angela's talked about that you are going to incorporate or are incorporating into your life. So, you know, here's a list of some of the things that I have started to do in my life that I've seen a huge difference on. I experiment all the time. I drop the things that don't help. I keep the things that do. The first is I move every single day. And right now, and I re I reorient my workout every quarter. Right now, what I'm doing is Pilates, uh, weights, being able to lift heavier weights, um, and sprint training. So you guys know I love my Peloton. I get on my Peloton, I do like a 20-minute or 15-minute Tabata class, like really short, intense, short recoveries. If I'm at the cottage and I've got hills around, I will run up and down small hills, recover on the way down, go on the way up. Instead of these long, drawn-out runs, I was finding those were actually hurting my body. The second thing I do is I hydrate. I'm really mindful of hydration, which doesn't just have to come from uh, drinking water. It also comes from foods that are rich in in uh, water and fluid. So I'm, I'm really conscientious around hydration. Number three is I eat a ton of greens. So I, I have to really try hard for this. I don't inherently look in my fridge and be like, ooh, kale. Um, but so I really make an effort uh, to make sure that I get greens in and maybe I, I'll drink greens. And when I drink greens, I don't pick sweet greens. Um, I really get like as bitter as I possibly can, or I use a greens powder. Number four, I use a red light therapy. So I have my juve. It's actually in my podcast studio. I try to stand in front of that for at least 10 minutes a day. I almost said 10 minutes twice a day, but that's what I wish I was doing as opposed to what's actually happening. The truth is I try to aim uh, for 10 minutes a day. And we'll put this in the show notes, but we did an episode with the founder of Juve talking all about red light therapy. I'll throw it in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more. Um, you can learn a little bit more about that. The next one, I can't read my writing on my list, so I'm going to skip it. Um, and the fifth one is I really have endeavored to have more fun. And this was something I, for a long time, I'm like, I just, I, I had a hard time having fun. I had a hard time picking, you know, I could do a little bit more work or I could do a little bit more self-help reading, or I could do, you know, I could go do something productive or I could do a puzzle. And I've really made an effort in the last eight weeks or so to pick the more fun option. I have no doubt that I have an ability to work hard and stay focused and, and, you know, do more of that stuff. So my problem is actually not carving out the time or finding the discipline to do those things. It's actually having the discipline to relax. It's actually having the discipline to to just do nothing. And I actually find that that has made a massive difference in how I feel on the inside. But I want to know from you guys, one, what the heck do you think this writing is that I can't read? It's something daily. It started with an M and it wasn't meditate. So you can share that over on Instagram. And I'm running a poll over there today. I want to know what you guys are doing to help make your body feel at its absolute best. I love this conversation. I appreciate all of you. As always, I am Megan Walker. I'm wishing you an impactful week ahead. And I will chat with you again next week. <laughs>